Hi, my name is Nick Offerman. And I feel earnestly grateful about being Conan O'Brien's friend. That's very nice. Well, it's fun to make a cheap joke involving uh, farting, but... <laughs> I, I knew is this. It, is it really that fun? It is fun. <laughs> okay. I'm 51 years old and it hasn't, it hasn't gotten old yet. It's a lure. <laughs> it's still my bag. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are going to be friends. Hey there, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, voted, uh, I believe, podcast of the century by Time and Newsweek. I didn't hear that. I just made it up. The fact that you said Newsweek, too. Yeah. Is there still a Newsweek? I don't think so. What are you, going on a computer to find out? (laughs) No, I'm going to order an edition of Newsweek. (laughs) I think it's online, but I don't think the print edition exists All I'm saying is, I don't think anyone's going to look into it, so I'm going to start making outlandish claims about the success of our podcast. Oh, Oh, yeah. You know, we are a successful podcast, but I'm just going to start throwing out right after the introduction. Hey, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Um, Just voted uh, best hour of entertainment (laughs) By Good Housekeeping magazine. <laughs> oh, best hour of entertainment. Yeah, and that that's all time, meaning it stacks up against any movie, it stacks up against any book that takes uh, oh. that you could read for an hour. Huh. Anything that would take an hour of your time. Hey, it was Good Housekeeping, it wasn't me. Okay. L Magazine said that we are the most fashion-forward podcast. Okay. Now that's yeah. true, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I wear incredible outfits. Yeah. I don't think people realize. Just for the podcast. And don't bother trying to look up online at the video, well, but- we, yeah, yeah, there's a video component to this. You're wearing a dark polo shirt. Uh, no, he's wearing Eddie Murphy's red suit from Raw, <laughs> yes, the I leather am. zip suit. I bought that and it's, I didn't realize that it's, uh, it's made, <laughs> it's made of pressed and dried beet. <laughs> um, it's, a veg, it's an entirely vegetable made suit. I did wear on tour, we did a takeoff of that. We oh, wore yeah. a copy of the other suit that Eddie Murphy the wore. Purple. It was kind of a purple yeah. blue one. Yeah. And I got measured for it and I wore that. This is whatever, 11 years ago or something. And I wore it on tour and I lost so much weight on the tour because uh-huh. I would burn like 9,000 calories a night doing this show. And we would do a show yeah. a night and travel all around the country. And <laughs> at the end of the tour, the thing is falling off of me. Yeah, you were sickly. <laughs> I, and, oh, but I mean, I had it, you know, it, and, and so it just looked, <laughs> I looked like a prisoner in like a Confederate soldier's camp yeah. who had, who put on an Eddie Murphy raw suit <laughs> and tried to do stand up. It was the most ridiculous, I know. Yeah. It's the most ridiculous. Uh, I wonder where that suit is. It must exist somewhere. You know, oh, we have a yeah. crazy, this occurs to me, I have saved everything from the very beginning, you know, from from my time with Saturday Night Live, Simpsons. Mm-hmm. I found Legal Pad page where I come, came up with the idea for the monorail episode. Oh my God. You're kidding. No, oh, and I have it. Right. Yeah. And um, I put it in my drawer because I just thought like, oh, this is cool. But you can see me come up with it and then sketch out monorail question mark. And then I sketch out a couple of things. But in addition to that, any kooky prop that I 
particularly liked and think of the billions of them. Yeah. Um, we would, I would always say, oh, just put it in storage, just put it in storage. So, you know, at the end of the famous movie, Citizen Kane, uh, they're going through, uh, Citizen Kane has, uh, has died. Charles Foster Kane has died and they're going through his massive estate and they're just throwing everything in the fire. Uh-huh. And, and that's where you see them throw the sled in, but they're sl- they're throwing in paintings and all this stuff that he collected in his life. My ending, my Citizen Kane ending is going to be the funniest thing in the world (laughs) because it's going to be literally like a a toilet seat that somebody made into a guitar and sent to me. And uh, I I was like, wow, this is so weird, but I got to keep it, put it in storage. Do you know what I mean? Or we once had a, uh, we had a stuffed squirrel with a backpack that used to go in circles. I think I have that some on the show. I have, it's just gonna be workmen. And Conan O'Brien passed away and his many goods were thrown into the fireplace <laughs> above his palatial palace. And you're just gonna see- Is that what's gonna happen? Masturbating gonna... bear diaper. Oh no. What you know? is your rosebud though? What's that one thing? Oh my God, that's a really good question. What is the rosebud? What is the thing I'm gonna be saying yeah, like as I leave this earth? From, from your youth probably. Is that no, it's going to be something Halloween from my costume that you're. Remember, we t- brought bought one that oh, like my sat mom. One? My mom what was it. Tried to do a sweet thing, and she bought a, a costume for me for Halloween, and it was and it was at the height of like Watergate, yeah, and people hating America, and she bought me. <laughs> She wanted me to dress like Uncle Sam. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, right. Vietnam protests That's were still right. going on oh, and God. Watergate. And it was an uncle, it was a plastic Uncle Sam face. Oh, and yeah. then Uncle Sam. And um, I was, I was not happy and I let my mom know it. And I think I hurt her feelings, which to this day hurts my feelings. I mean, Aww. bothers me. Yeah, of course. But, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll be like, Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam. And then you'll see that mask being thrown on the fire. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be that or something from the comedy mm. s- career. You know, like a fake mustache I wore in the old time baseball oh, remote. Yeah. Oh, or, yeah. um Or you, you know. find out there actually was little threads connected to your pockets when you did that dance. I did that dance at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing anybody knows about me all around the world. I swear to God, you could drop me down in a rural province in China. And they would point at me and then do the string dance yeah. thing. Yeah. Where I act like there were strings attached to my hips. It transcends languages and cultures. Yeah. And common sense. Yeah. Yes. That's it right. transcends all intelligence. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> yeah. That'll be, that'll be. I don't think I, they'll burn your stuff. Oh, I would sell uh, it and keep all no the No one's going to buy any of that shit. Sure no I one's mean, going to buy any of it. People buy anything. They'll buy it to burn it. Yeah. <laughs> Conan's burning his stuff. I want to burn his stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh. Yeah, I, we should do that. We, I, I do want to make sure, Sona, you're you're to see to things. Yes. What are the two things you're to see to? First is the burning of all my stuff. Okay. And and you have to make sure that it's filmed in beautiful black and white oh. uh, in a giant warehouse, okay? Mm-hmm. And all the weird crap that I've gotten over the years. The second thing is what if I, I've always asked you, please make sure they don't- Don't bury you at the Forest Lawn Cemetery in yes. Bank. Yeah. I don't want to be buried at Forest Lawn Cemetery. Is that yes. a danger that that could happen? Because no oh. one ever thinks ahead. And I'm noticing that everyone gets oh. married, married there. Everyone, why did I confuse 
marriage with death. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, oh, my. Do you want to take that again? No. Yeah. Maybe my wife should listen to this episode. You know as a joke, I'm going to not burn your stuff and bury you at Forest Lawn. <laughs> I just don't want to be. i get the last I, laugh. I want to be someplace leafy, you know? Yeah, I know. Uh, and and uh, and the fact that you're just on a hill. and Overlooking know, f- the 134 freeway. Well, overlooking yeah. the 134 freeway. And yeah. People are on their way to go see Michael Jackson and they step on my grave. I don't want that. It'll be so funny. No. Yes. No. In the future, everyone. I don't even need to be buried. As I've told you, just leave me naked in a field somewhere. (laughs) Oh. So that people can find, I want a jogger to find me like on every episode of Law and Order. I want a jogger to go like, what the, hey, look at that. (laughs) Hey, someone dropped an alabaster statue of a woman. (laughs) Oh my God. It's the body of Conan O'Brien. You're naked and they still mistake you for a woman. They still think I'm a woman. (laughs) Coyotes have eaten part of you. No, no, he's fully intact. Yeah, that's right. That's fully intact. That's that's what the court- They don't want to eat him? No, no, no. No, that- The, the excuse that peop, that my publicist tries to make is, well, well, why do they think he was a woman? Well, coyotes got to his genitals, and then, and then, and then the coroner speaks up and goes, actually, no, that's the one part the coyotes didn't get. Genitals were intact. He still looks an awful lot like a woman. If anything, why would the coroner have to pipe up at that point? They're a little swollen just from decay yeah. and gases. If in anything, the, in the sun they grew to twice. In the in the sun they grew to twice their size, but still looks a lot like female genitalia. And people were like, "Would you shut fuck up?" Anyway, he'll be laid to rest at Forest Lawn Cemetery. <laughs> Followed by the preservation, not burning, of all of his useless crap. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, enough of that. What better time than going from coyotes <laughs> to chewing on my testicles to our first guest? My guest, my first guest, my first and best guest, my only guest, the guest that beats the rest, that ba- the guest that passes the test. Uh, my guest today played Ron Swanson on the hit NBC series Parks and Recreation. He's a best-selling author. And his new book, Where the Deer and the Antelope Play, The Pastoral Observations of One Ignorant American Who Loves to Walk Outside, is out now. And I have perused this book thoroughly. It is very enjoyable. He also uh, has a newsletter, Donkey Thoughts, (laughs) available on substack.com. I'm thrilled. He's with us today. Nick Offerman, welcome. I am very grateful uh, to know you from the day I met you. It was some big shindig at Saturday Night Live, and you were – I was meeting, I think, Megan for the first time, and she did, she introduced me to this lunk she was with <laughs> in a uh, black leather biker jacket. Mm. And you had one of those big chains that holds – Probably one key to a safe deposit box in Switzerland. That's right. Uh, um, not a motorcycle key, but um, and I immediately liked you very much, and we got to know each other really well over the years. We've had a few adventures and misadventures. Uh, uh, we may have discussed this once, but you and I took a long bike trip that ended with your chain exploding, and I saw you rebuild the bike using rocks. <laughs> and I tell people that, and you gathered all the pieces and said. I must now, in that Offermanian way, I must now reassemble this chain using the tools available. <laughs> and then I, you proceeded to rebuild the chain. And I thought, this is before, this is how long ago this was. There was no Uber. There was no getting on a cell phone and saying, yeah. let's get this. Let's just leave our bikes here and throw them in the weeds. You, you have had a 
explosive career since then. You've accomplished many terrific things. You're, uh, you know, known around the world uh, for your work in television and in film. You're also uh, a world-class worker of wood, and you've written many books. I still think watching you rebuild that bicycle with, I think, three rocks, and it took about an hour and a half, but you did it, was one of the most impressive things I've seen anybody do. It puts all your other work to shame. <laughs> well, th- uh, thank you. There, there was a lot of over-egging in that pudding that you just prepared. Uh, <laughs> and I, I mean, it, there, there was just a lot of- No, there's not. I saw it. The, the <laughs> chain blew apart into n- not every link separated from every other link- that's true. That's the only egg I added to that. Pudding. Only the and, and only the master link blew open, and I and I had I was luckily able to find the pieces that had to be knocked back together. Uh, see again, I'm contrasting what you did with what I would have done in the same situation. Were I alone and my chain had exploded, and there was no way to contact or ask for help. I would have taken my own life. (laughs) I would have killed myself in those woods in the southern part of Lake Washington. But you wouldn't have been able to because you'd get a rock and you wouldn't know how to use it. I would try several times to kill myself with a rock. um, And then a passing motorist would notice, I think that's Conan O'Brien, smashing away at his own head with a rock. And they would pull over and take a photograph. They wouldn't try and stop me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we have a lot to talk about because we are friends. And one thing I tell everybody, if and when your name comes up and invariably does, I say, Nick is exactly the guy you think he is. This isn't a put on. He really is that person. And in an apocalypse, and I think we all keep thinking maybe there's one right around the corner. <laughs> I'm finding me Nick Offerman, and I'm sticking real close to that guy. Well, I mean, again, I uh, to uh, take the, the hot air out of my balloon a little bit, I, I, I will cop to being a very capable person uh, among actors. Yeah. Our nation's BFA <laughs> ar- army... <laughs> let's do let's do subsets of of my castmates on Parks and Recreation. I am probably going to last a little longer in the woods. Yes, than Rob Lowe for sure. <laughs> yes, who by the way can live off of the moisturizers that he keeps on his person. He, he yeah. has pouches of various creams and ointments. I'm sure if we were stuck in the woods, we'd notice that he's not losing weight. The rest no. of us are starving, and then we'd notice him sucking on little packs <laughs> of coconut oil, and he's actually gaining weight and looking better than the rest of us. He's incredible. You've always seemed to me like a man who'd be impervious to jealousy, but not when it comes to Rob Lowe. It's funny, actually. Uh, Rob Lowe, the, in my life, I've uh, I've had two uh, f- jealous fires in my belly. Mm-hmm. When I was a teenager, so this is going all the way back to the 80s, that's when I when first got into serious relationships. That's when I learned, I began to feel... You know, with with great love came uh, uh, great peril, and and I was 
had this was dating this cheerleader and I first felt powerful jealousy and I thought you know what as long as I make sure I'm taking care of my side of the relationship and and providing everything that I should be in other words if I if I if, if I'm practicing fidelity the way one should um, then I then I never have to worry about jealousy and if you th- that, you were that mature as a teenager <laughs> and that naive <laughs> and that naive, <laughs> and that naive. <laughs> you idiot um, no there's plenty to worry about when you're dating a cheerleader leader said the guy who wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. When I was dating cheerleaders, Conan struggles to make up a story. (laughs) But the the funny thing is I had, let's say it was 1986 or seven, and I had this thought. So I, I, I was like, I, I, I will never be uh, jealous. I always can understand uh, how to avoid that pitfall unless uh, my significant other is around Alec Baldwin. I thought that <laughs> thought then in like 86, 87. You should still have that thought. Well, so then. <laughs> He's what we call a chick magnet. Cut to. I, I, say, I say we call. Meaning no one has said that <laughs> in about 20 years. But uh, yes, I would still feel that way about Alec Baldwin. So maybe 20 years later, uh, I'm on the set of Will and Grace. And for an entire season, Alec Baldwin is cast as my wife's love interest. Mm-hmm. And they're doing things like make out uh, in, in Karen Walker's bedroom. And I, re- I thought, you son of a bitch. Like the, that, the <laughs> you one, foresaw this. I called it. I, I, I manifested it. And the good thing was we became good friends with Alec. And when we would hang out, besides being a fascinating, intelligent, ridiculously charming, and hirsute chick magnet, uh, it was also clear that the chemistry wasn't there. And so that... Uh, you were safe. I was then safe from worrying about him and Megan. But you did have a moment of jealousy with Rob Lowe? With Rob Lowe, I did. Uh, you know, early on, I think when you, uh, even between actors anyway, when you get into a serious relationship, whether it's in Chicago theater or in Hollywood or what have you, uh, or Bollywood, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, there's a step that you take where you you uh, sort of reveal your uh, your history, your 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 uh, butcher's bill mm-hmm. um, <laughs> of past you, relationships. Like just so you, yeah, like just so you know, you know, if, if if you and I were doing it, I'd be like, you know, just so you know, Gorley and I went to prom together, or <laughs> just so that I would feel nothing. There's any sort. Yeah, I have no jealousy about Matt Gorley. So 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 that later something doesn't come up, and you're like, why didn't you tell me? Right, right. That you and Gorley. Really had you know shared a night of passion. Yeah, yeah, and are continuing it, and are still well, dating. We'll see. I mean, let's let's uh, see how it goes. But. I understand. <laughs> but in Gorley was just he just broke up with you, Gorley, yeah. on a and, podcast. And you were on a podcast, and you were very you were like I understand. Uh, <laughs> frankly, I'm surprised it lasted this long. I truly am just not that into you. <laughs> um, it, now you're speaking my language. Um, yeah. So, but so when we did that, when you know, when we sort of covered. Uh, who each of us had been with, one of the things that came up at some point was that Megan had uh, had this supporting role in the movie About Last Night. Mm-hmm. And uh, her role was mainly, she played a friend of Demi Moore and she had this scene where she had to try and seduce Rob Lowe mm-hmm. and do this crazy French kissing scene with mm-hmm. him in a bar. You know, I've established that I'm cool with that subject matter and I shrugged it off and said, that's fine, I will make sure 
sure that I'm satisfying our relationship. But then one <laughs> one day randomly, it came on TV, the movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think I heard it. I heard her voice before I even saw it. And I turned and watched this scene where if there was an Olympics in French kissing, Megan would have taken home the gold. <laughs> um, it was really upsetting. And I, and I legitimately said to her, honey, do you love Rob Lowe? Um, and she said, no, but I, but I was unsure that I could believe her. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I like to think of myself as a guy who doesn't get jealous and I've been married for quite a long time. We, my wife and I just celebrated 20 years of marriage. You Congratulations. Know, thank you. You know Liza well. I'm a big fan. Yeah, she's a lovely person. 20 years married, uh, 14 of them quite happy. And uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, and I don't get jealous, but we went to this party recently, this gathering, and, uh, and it was uh, Joel McHale, mm-hmm. you know, wonderful fellow. And uh, his wife, Sarah, had us over. And some other people were there as well. Strapping that Joel McHale. He is. And um, and he's not the one I'm jealous of uh, because I've seen what he has to do to get those muscles. <laughs> the num- number of chemicals he t- takes, legal and illegal. Um, and some of them are just uh, tied on with with twine, just uh, fake American biceps. athleticism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but he gathers a couple of people and I didn't know... And uh, at one point, the door opens and in comes um, Kyle MacLachlan. And um, he oh. is, mm-hmm. um, take it easy, Sana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Matt. And Matt. Yeah. He comes in. And of course, uh, I had worked with him many years ago on Saturday Night Live. And I also uh, always, always like him. I always think he's fantastic. He's, he's a beloved actor, kind of iconic. He comes in the door and damn it, he looks good. Mm. And then he turns out, of course, to be the nicest guy you'll meet, very intelligent, lovely. And he's seated next to my wife at this dinner. It's one of those things where they, let's break up the couples. Oh, boy. So Jewel and I are over in the corner, and I'm noticing that his right bicep doesn't match his left. Uh, and, <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> well, they're fake. I'm just trying to get that out there. He ties them on before the party, the way you'd put on a cummerbund. They're made of uh, rubber. And uh, so they don't line up quite. And I'm, I'm noticing that. But And Joel's there saying, yeah, so I do reps. And I'm like, okay, that's great, Joel. Uh, but down at the end of the table, I see that my wife is having the greatest conversation, better than any conversation she and I have Throwing had. Throwing her head back, mm. laughing. Laughing in a way that I didn't think she could laugh. Yeah. And on the way home, she's going on and on about, he is the nicest loveliest man and you know he's also from Washington state just uh, like me and we oh. and and they're going on and on and on and I started to grip the wheel tightly <laughs> because I realized if it came down to it I lose to Kyle McLaughlin mm. yeah. and I don't even blame my wife yeah. I say you've made the right call and I also claim nothing in the marriage. I say, you can have it all. Yeah. I'll just walk away into the ocean like James Mason <laughs> in A Star is Born. Um, you had a good run. I had a good run and it's over. And I wish you two the best. Enjoy the children. Enjoy the children, <laughs> uh, who I never really got to know well. I'll be honest with you. They're nice. The, uh, I'm told, yeah. You, to tell you. You, they're good kids, right? And sharp, sharp as hell. Yeah, yeah, my agent says they're doing well. Um <laughs> Thank you. 
You know, when Megan and I were first together, uh, I'll try to nutshell this, but she, we were, we had just started dating and I moved onto her couch almost immediately, but she, she wouldn't let me into her bed for months. She really made me wait because I think she suspected that it could be something lasting. So she didn't want to have a, a fling. Mm-hmm. But I immediately established myself as a, a, a staunch suitor. And she said, you know what? I got to run up to uh, Banff and, and Calgary to work on a movie for a couple of weeks. And the timing is great because this is getting pretty hot and heavy. And I, I would love to put it on pause for a moment and make sure that I'm, that I'm serious about this. And the next day I was cast in the same movie. Uh, oh, that's so lovely. Oh. I thought the, the story was going to be, I went up to, she went up to Banff. The movie starred Alec Baldwin, no. Rob Lowe, and Paul McLaughlin. And, and she, she plays the goddess of love. <laughs> I've never seen it yet. It's called Oh, it's a good movie. Threesome. Um, well, technically foursome. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> three dudes find a time machine and they hook up with the goddess of love by <laughs> Megan Mullally. <laughs> I um so I I mean I was I was kind of freaking out and bummed that she was going and then literally the next day Ted Levine was supposed to play the sheriff and he dropped out and and I was so excited that I was going to get to go be with Megan but also that I got to replace Ted Levine, right? Uh, a mustache hero, mm-hmm. and also a, a deep voice, uh, yeah, 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 terrifying hero. And uh, so we went up, and I watched Megan do a scene where she was just at a at a bar flirting with Hart Bachner, oh. and that for me was the most powerful. I had to go outside, and then later, when she got wrapped from work, I said, "We need, we need to talk about this. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna burn down a building. I'm really upset." And that was the yeah. first, that was when she taught me uh, about how you know, and, and uh, you know, our, our our spouses in a healthy marriage. That's when you learn where the give and take is, and and what your baby husbands need to be coddled so that they don't commit hate crimes when they see you simply doing an acting scene. When I first met uh, Liza and we were just going out, uh, I had some party at my cool bachelor loft and, um, (laughs) you know, a bunch of people from the show came and uh, I I forget how this happened, but uh, Lucy Lawless, of course, the actress uh, who plays Xena, Warrior Princess, she showed up at the party, uh, who I had only known as just being a guest on the show. And at one point I'm just... You know, Liza's there at the party, but I'm just in the corner chatting. Oh, and also um, the uh, James Lipton, dean of the <laughs> actor studio, was also at the party because he used to do a lot of bits on her show. So <laughs> I'm at a party with James Lipton, <laughs> uh, uh, author of the f- famous quote for anyone who listens regularly to the podcast, Katakai as God made her, uh, and Lucy Lawless. And I'm chatting with Lucy Lawless. And then at one point, I think uh, Liza came over and said, okay, I think you've talked long enough to Xena Warrior Princess. And I thought, really? <laughs> 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 You're, that was nice. I actually felt pride that because Lucy Lawless had absolutely no interest in me Mm-mm. in that regard. No. And uh, I was seeing Liza and I'm an honorable man, as you know. I would never have done something so crass. But uh, but still, I was. I felt good that I think now Liza would just find that 
she she wouldn't be able to muster up that kind of jealousy. No, I mean, uh, and I love Lucy. By the way, she uh, eventually uh, played my love interest on Parks and Rec. That's at, right. At the end, that's and, right. And she's she's the paragon of like to, to imagine a statuesque person to with whom to speak in this context. Yes, you can't beat Lucy Lawless. Oh no, she and I in a corner, and I could see why. Uh, and I, but I felt glad that. That for a second, Liza thought I was even capable of attracting of, the the of eye of Lucy Lawless. Lucy Lawless. Uh, <laughs> it made me happy, and then she later found all the letters I was writing to Lucy Lawless, which all we all went unanswered. To her credit, you had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> she says, "Stop calling me Xena Geek. <laughs> Stop sending me photos of yourself in the leather skirt um, and the sword, which was just a thing I was into." Um, I want to congratulate you. You've written many books. I really have enjoyed uh, your latest book. I have one, only one problem with the book. The book is called Where the Deer and the Antelope Play, The Pastoral Observations of One Ignorant American Who Loves to Walk Outside. And it's a really lovely book uh, about your musings after a sojourn into the woods with your good friends. And what cooler friends could you have? Jeff Tweedy and, uh, and George Saunders. And you guys are in Montana and you're having this great time together at Glacier National Park. And you have so many great observations in the book. My only problem with the book is that it has been on my bedside table for some time. And I actually took a picture and sent it to you because the cover of the book, it's unmistakable. <laughs> this book is doing quite well. It's at your local bookstore and you should get it because it's wonderful. But the is a, is a wonderful uh, depiction, painting of you staring out with that Nick Offerman glare with raised arched eyebrows that look almost angry. <laughs> and that's been on my bedside table. <laughs> and when I turn out the lights, I swear to God, the eyes glow. <laughs> and it got to the point where I would go to bed and I'd be, you know, I'd reading it, I'd put it down and then I'd notice that the cover was face up. I would turn the cover <laughs> over because I couldn't sleep with uh, those Nick Offerman peepers burning through the night. I couldn't do it. I, I apologize. I uh, for, <laughs> don't, don't uh, do that. For a few books now, it's funny. I And I think that this book has been a shift. Like it's the first of my of my books that all of my ideas kind of have come together in a way that it's not just a book about woodworking for right. my guy on TV or and and so I'm hoping that my publisher will finally relent if I do a sixth book, this is my fifth, and let me uh, do a book that doesn't have my face on the cover. <laughs> like the, because of the the fear of, of capitalism, they're like, well, we need, you know, we need people, we somehow need to people connect, still connect you to parks and recreation so we can sell books. Right. And, and I say, well, I, it'd be cool one day if, you know, if we can just sell the books on their merit rather. <laughs> <laughs> well, the books you You've done have a lot of merit, uh, and I don't think that's why people like them so much. Is that you're but they're on the duped, they're duped into discovering that merit <laughs> by my cheekbones <laughs> and and my glistening blue eyes. They're like, oh, is this? <laughs> It's funny, whenever I would like to write a book someday, a serious book, uh, I'd like to take a stab at it. And I know that uh, my face on the cover will not be the problem. <laughs> I'll be telling them, shouldn't my face be on the cover? And they're like, we think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> we think just uh, maybe a blue, black. What about a cannon? <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm sure we can get a good picture. No, no, we've tried to get a good picture. Uh, you just have no lips. And so there'll be no, there'll be no photo of you. Um, 
it's funny because I mean, we were talking earlier about jealousy. I got a twinge of jealousy because we're friends and you you did what I something that I would really love to do, which is hike, you know, in this amazing uh, national park uh, with incredibly cool friends. This is what your book is about. And at one point it did occur to me, how come I didn't get a heads up about this trip and would I have fit in? I'm not sure. I might have been a little needy. <laughs> might have been my japes and my jests. Might have got. Might have worn a little thin on the trail. Uh, I might have done some shtick for an elk and probably ruined everything. You know. So I don't know. I, I'm just saying. Next time, I hope I get. I will. I will pass that along to the to our weekly triumvirate uh, text thread. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I, th- I think we would love to have you because the thing you know, as you can imagine, uh, it it was much more banal and and like. Like three friends having a good time, but uh, I have to remind myself constantly with Jeff and George, even though they're brilliant and prolific mm-hmm. and and gorgeous, they're also real humans, as are you. And so when I think about you, less so, yeah, uh, with I, me, I'm I'm delighted, you know. You, <laughs> but but then when we spend enough time together, we're, that's one of the comforts we take is that we're not always right, right. Hil- hilarious or delightful. Yeah. I have a pretty good batting average. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just, Come on. I, I, and I'd be keeping track too. I'd be, I'd be keeping track of how many quips, how am I doing uh, so far? Um, that you'd notice that you'd no longer hear wildlife. All the birds would have left the area. <laughs> uh, I think it, I think it would be really fun. Bears are streaming out of the park. We've never seen this happen before. No, it's really. Um, it's funny because if we went camping, I think you'd get annoyed because I would be breaking out this weird German mini stove that's made of tiny copper pieces that I'm putting together, <laughs> and uh, it's got a little uh, it's got a little saucepan, and I'm you know I'm I'm adjusting all kinds of little gadgets that I brought, and they're hissing and burbling, and they they run off of solar power and batteries, and you'd be getting irritated. Well, uh, it depends. I mean. It depends on on how good your fondue is. Uh, <laughs> None of it would work. I wouldn't know how to work it. That's the problem. That's, that I'd is. tell you, you'd look over and I'd say, "Hang on, in two hours, the baked Alaska will be ready." And I'll be, I'll have this <laughs> this device that I purchased at REI for like eight hundred dollars. It's made of bakelite and special rods and coils, and I'm adjusting knobs. And then later on, I just come to you crying and say. Uh, it melted. Everything would be said in metric would be the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. Here's your three kilometers. I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm Alaska. I think I'm I'm in touch with the uh, and most people are. I'm I'm in touch with both sides of my humanity. Like mm-hmm. I appreciate the simplicity. I love the notion of like let's take some waterproof matches and a and a hatchet, right, and just head out, right. But then again, uh, the idea of like, well, if I can carry this. 12 pack of Coronas and everything I need to make pulled pork high in the mountains. That's also attractive to me. And I'll think, I just, I just want to walk deep into the woods and then eat this incredibly indulgent meal. Yes. Here we are at the top of a mountain. Who's ready for some duck a la ronge? <laughs> <laughs> you want the sauce? <laughs> Yeah. And you also, you do, uh, you get out on the water. You do some serious rafting on this, in the book, on this journey. Yeah, uh, that's something that I, I- Which sounded perilous, actually, when I read it. 
I mean, it's not. I, I, it's. Uh, I try to live on this side of the of the line of peril. Um, right, and they have some pretty scary names. These rapids. They do. Some of them are ironic. The, the fluffy kitten, I think, is the first one. And I, I guess that's <laughs> what, a, what a terrible place to die. What happened to Nick? Well, he drowned in the uh, fluffy kitten. We lost him. That was the last place we saw him uh, was cuddly teddy bear uh, rock. <laughs> But then, yeah, then they've just become, it's, the, the rapids are coincidentally have the same names as the frozen daiquiris you get at the drive-thru when you land in New Orleans. <laughs> the the lobotomizer, like <laughs> the, the bone crusher. You right, know. right, right. You talk a little bit about something that also appeals to me, which is during COVID, you and Megan decided, let's let's get an Airstream and let's fit it out and let's hit the road. I've seen some photographs of this vehicle and it's like everything you guys do, you both have amazing taste. The credit for that has to entirely go to Megan. And in fact, uh, I don't have much taste whatsoever. You don't? I don't. I, not only do I not have taste, I don't care that I don't have taste. So right. wh- whatever I, whatever outfit I choose, I don't look, I don't uh, look in the mirror to think, how's this going to play at the dinner party? Right. I just never give it another thought. I understand that you're supposed to cover your body uh, <laughs> to a certain extent. As the as the Old Testament tells us, yes, with, we must cover uh, our with with raiments. Uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, uh-huh. she has exquisite, like crazy, sophisticated taste. Like her taste is oh my oh is her ta- uh, one of her talents. Yeah, uh, the times that I've uh, visited you guys in your homes, and you think, what, who is the master interior designer that you hired a great fortune? It's like, no, no, that would be Megan. Yeah, uh, she, she does that. And of course, Megan says, no, let's 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 do this in in with the greatest taste possible, yeah. which ended up being this 30-foot Airstream that was just magnificent. And, uh, and the way it was decorated was very cool. Yeah. Very, you know. She uh, she did everything, soup to nuts. And I, you know, and, I, and I'm very proud then to be able to satisfactorily uh, operate the machinery <laughs> and take care of the systems. You know, it's it, there is some complication to it. The plumbing, the water system, the heating system, et cetera. I didn't realize how complicated all this stuff was until I was on tour in 2010 and I was on a tour bus. They gave us these long lectures about you cannot try to flush anything other than human waste down the toilet in this. And it was a very fancy big bus, tour bus. You cannot. And they gave us these long lectures. And then we were in the middle of nowhere. And I'll just out him now. Andy Richter decided mm, that, that he had had himself a nice cocktail <laughs> that had a giant old lime in it. Were you on the bus then, Sona? I was. Yeah, I remember this. And yeah. Andy decided, it's uh, where am I going to throw this this empty glass with some ice and a massive lime, <laughs> desiccated lime? I'll just toss it in that toilet and flush it, and the whole underside of the bus exploded <laughs> all over the highway. Um, Shows the perfect item to plug. Oh, a, oh, he might as well a, a have tube. had. Yeah, yeah, he might as well have just <laughs> put a giant rubber uh, bathtub stopper where in his I, drink. Where, where and should, then, should I dump this jar of epoxy? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so I'm I remember, on the toilet. I remember we were, I don't know, uh, I, I want to say we were somewhere on the East Coast. We were in the middle of nowhere. It was summer. We were 
were doing this tour. It was really humid. It was pitch black. Um, the, the tour bus pulls over and the, the guy, the tour manager, Gus, was like, damn it, who did this? <laughs> who did it? And everyone's saying, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know. We all get out. I just wander into this tall grass in complete darkness. And I wandered really far away from the bus. And I don't know where we were, but I got so far away from the bus that I could just barely hear noises. And then I heard the tour manager said, a lime, <laughs> a lime. And it echoed, <laughs> there's this tall grass, pitch black, nighttime. Um, I think Richter came out, came forward and went like, so what? I threw a lime in there. What's the big fucking deal? We've all been there. It was either Richter or Roseanne Barr. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have to, I'm, I'm, I take solace. A lot of us have been struggling the last two years. People's mental health has been somewhat, you know, precarious. People feeling like we've all been left stranded high and dry by uh, by COVID and isolation. And I would think a saving grace for you is you are one of the most industrious people I know in every way. But you also write. You also um are constantly looking for new ways to keep yourself busy. And I would think that would have saved your ass these last two years that you're like that. It, I mean, it always has. I mean, the the sort of work ethic I grew up with uh, has, has allowed me to succeed despite my uh, a, a paucity of talent. Um, I, for many years, would get hired in plays just to carry the good-looking people on and off stage and and build the scenery and so forth. And then eventually, right. I, I convinced people to let me say lines of dialogue. And uh, I'm, I'm still, hopefully, on the, the ascendant uh, side of that deal. I, d- I doubt you're going <laughs> to – I don't think at this stage you, can, you, would go, you would go back to being a guy who's sawing things. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I, 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 you'd be very <laughs> – very good at it, but I I think you've reached a certain level. Where I hope so. But it'd just be I, funny if in two years I'm, I hear Nick's on this picture. Well, yes, he's not on the picture; he's yeah. in the background. He's <laughs> driving the cable truck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm super good at coiling cables, uh, but I mean, uh, yeah, that's I. It's part of what I try to impart to my audience with on our show, making it that I do with Amy Poehler. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, uh, that's a just a really important part, I think, of human health to be making something. And that the the spectrum is incredibly wide. You know, you could be making children smart or uh, you could be, you know, making tables out of wood. You can be making a podcast. You can be making a talk show. Figure figure out what it is that you're good at and, and, make, and make things using that talent, whatever it may be. For me, that keeps me from spending money. It keeps me from being addicted to something. Right. It keeps me from like looking in the mirror and having to reckon my flaws, <laughs> you know? Right. Inst- right. Instead I say, no, don't look in the mirror. Go, uh, go chop firewood. I don't have, I did make a, a sop with camel. That's <laughs> right. Sonar yeah. Early in, yeah. Yeah. in uh, early in the pandemic, I, I, years ago I had found an old fashioned, like, I think this was like from the 1950s, intricate balsa wood kit that's very complicated for a quite large sop with camel model. And I decided early on and I went crazy. I, I went down to the point where really I was satisfying. And it was done and it's it hangs over my desk and I look at it and I think, 
That was a project meant for a 12-year-old boy back in, <laughs> 19, back in 1955. But damn it, <laughs> I finished it. <laughs> it looks doesn't look great, but I finished it. There's a lot to be said for that. I, you know, obviously you have uh, an incredible body of work, and I, I've never understood the this the sort of fallacious side of the American dream that uh, once you make it, when, once you hit it big, you no longer should have to work. You should just live with the luxury of your riches. Like once once what is yeah, what is that? Once your what ship comes in, yeah. And I've tried it. I, I wrote about it in my first book where I, I moved in with Megan. She was on Will and Grace. We lived in the Hollywood Hills. Like I had made it. And uh, she went to work one day and I smoked a joint and put on some Neil Young. Uh, and I floated in our, we had a little swimming pool and I floated in the pool, listened to Neil Young. I was like, I made it. Like the, I'm living the Hollywood right. dream. And I got, I put on his early record, Everyone Knows This Is Nowhere. And I got into the second song. I made it as far. So I made it about six minutes into the reverie mm-hmm. and just thought, what do you just, are, are you going to become an asshole? Like, <laughs> is that, is that the dream? Like, are you, are you going to quit getting anything done? And if, if I realized that if I'm not, if I don't feel like I'm being of service to someone or something, right? that's, that's what my whole life is about. Like if I'm not yes. doing anybody any good, then I might as well just go jump in a lake. You're so industrious and you believe in work and you believe in making things and um, being a good person. And that is, uh, I think, a real tonic. That's something that if for no other reason, do it for yourself. Oh yeah, those are those are substantial medicines that that don't involve any any superficiality or any show business or any marketing. They're your household and your family and your loved ones uh, and and yourself are all things that you can lay your hands on every every day. You know, you don't have to sign up for anything, right? To to give somebody a hug. And I was I was just smiling because on the way here, I was talking to my mom on the phone in Illinois, and I was telling, I was saying these exact things where I was like, when when you don't plant crops in your field for a couple of years, it's called letting it lie fallow, mm-hmm. and and it's. Uh, to let the biome, the nutrients grow, uh, you know, uh, the microorganisms. I love that I'm cutting you off to explain how farms work. <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck up, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> what you mean is to make the stuff go back into the thing. That's right. <laughs> to, to to regenerate the the health of the soil. And so figuratively, I'm letting myself lie fallow for a period to see what what sort of what fungus uh, presents itself and says, oh, maybe you should focus on this project or that project. And so I'm telling my mom this and, and talking specifically about wondering what I might write next. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you better, you sound really serious. You better um, lighten up if you're going to talk to Conan. <laughs> and so I can't wait to tell her. That we're, this is exactly, exactly what, what we talked yeah. about. Um, <laughs> I take something. Because I've been, like a lot of people, I've been in a little bit of a funk lately that this, you know, pandemic just seems to continue and go on and on and on. And all of us feel, um, what's happening now? When is this done? And um, I I feel like talking to you today, I thought this is going to be good for me. It's going to be good for me to get my Nick time because I do think you, although you're very self-effacing, you have a lot of those qualities that I think would inspire people right now. Like, yeah, be a 
what would Nick do in this situation? He'd probably grab two rocks, <laughs> go out in the parking lot and uh, build something, you know, for, you know, using pieces of other people's cars without their permission, <laughs> which is called vandalism, by the well, way. Yeah. Six, you know, you say tomato. <laughs> uh, I, you do that a lot. I, I, people don't know this about Nick, but he does go randomly into parking lots and just removes someone's mirror, a tailpipe, yeah. uh, uh, you know, wheel rim, and then you'll you'll build an incredible coffee filter. But uh, it's not. A, you shouldn't really be doing that. Well, the, you know, they'd be welded on, welded on if they didn't want me. <laughs> if it can be removed from a car, yeah. then uh, then it's. It's your property. Um, we all need to have our fun. Let me let me ask you about. There's a newsletter that I want to make sure I mention because I will be a subscriber that's going to be dropping soon, as the kids say, called Donkey Thoughts. Is that right? Donkey Thoughts. That's right. Donkey Thoughts. I love that. The thoughts of a donkey. That's right. Uh, and this is going to be available on uh, uh, Substack.com. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, you sound like someone that I've pulled over at a, and, and you're at a police station. <laughs> yes. And so I might understand, yes, Mr. I Offerman, <laughs> that you have a newsletter called Donkey Thoughts. Yes. I I, I mean, I, I think I was going within one uh, mile uh, per hour of the limit. <laughs> we have it right here. You were three miles under the speed limit. I'm starting a thing. It's it's funny. I uh, I have a website uh, where that, that I started where people can like find my books and my comedy shows and stuff. And when I started that website, website, uh, my friend who built it said, there's an option, you can do a newsletter. And I was like, okay, sure. And so this is a few years ago. Uh, and of course, I've never even, it's never even occurred to me to begin writing the newsletter. Uh, and so finally, um, some friends of mine inspired me to start this Substack thing, which is just, a, it's a subscription. And once or twice a week, uh, I'm going to answer questions from my readers. Uh, and I think it, it, partly it's inspired by Nick Cave does something like this mm -hmm. where, where he answers letters. Um, and I, it's something I really love doing, uh, because when I, when I'm presented with a list of questions, then I, some of them occur to me that I, oh, here's a couple of funny jokes that I can answer with, yeah, yeah. but then here's one that I can answer earnestly and try to pass along whatever donkey like, uh, lessons I've learned in, in my years in the field. Part of me pictures, it's almost a shame that this is going to be available on the internet because there's part of me that pictures you getting an old press and sure, yeah. cranking these out and um, putting them in like a wax tube and having them uh, delivered to people's doors uh, for for a, a shiny copper penny. <laughs> but I mean- <laughs> It's just like, it's such an old fashioned way of- but you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you having ink on your hands, well, time to run off. I love that idea. Some more- um, yeah, the way uh, that and that may become a uh, that may become a premium item for there you go for astronaut status. You <laughs> you will receive a, a letter pressed uh, in in turnip ink <laughs> once once a solstice. Um, <laughs> I'm but, telling you, it would be your version of an NFT. It would be uh, the uh -huh. Nick Offerman version of an NFT is not some digital thing that's available that you can buy. It's I've I've <laughs> I've ground this out. I found an I found a printing press in Philadelphia uh, from 1835, and I've oiled it, and I've worked out all the parts, and I do my own typesetting, and I grind this thing out, and then I put it in a wax cylinder, and it's uh, mailed to you, and all you have to do is give me 6.5 million dollars. <laughs> 
I, I don't see uh, I don't see the fault in that plan. <laughs> I don't either. What I'm after with this book and with my donkey thoughts is, I mean, the the older I get, the more I'm aware of how uh, how flawed we human beings are. Yeah. And yeah. so and so anything when when I'm talking about politics with people, I say just imagine driving a station wagon with a family with kids, and and how hard it is to make everybody in that vehicle happy. And even if you do, even if you get everybody happy with ice cream for for 20 minutes, that passes very quickly. Now, so extrapolate that to the size of a school board or a county or a state or a nation as it's impossible. We will will always be trying to get everybody ice cream and always failing. Mm -hmm. And so- I always, I think we should always start every conversation, whether it's the president making a speech or, or us doing a show, start every conversation with, okay, obviously I'm a jackass, <laughs> but uh, I've prepared this evening of entertainment or mm-hmm. here's the state of the union. I mean, I'm as big a dipshit as any, you know, <laughs> the, the fact that people uh, are, are too insecure to admit to our foibles I think is one of our greatest failings. Oh yeah, and and so with I think my, that, I, I think the greatest sign of intelligence. I'm always impressed when someone speaks like that. They have my full attention. Right. I want to end on a quote that you. This is not you that you you end your book with this quote, which I really like by Aldo Leopold. Ethical behavior is doing the right thing when no one else is watching, even when doing the wrong thing is legal. And that's one of those quotes that I, I really love. That you need to. And I had not heard that quote. You need to think about it. it. It doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue, but it's one of the truer things I've read in a long time. And I really liked that you ended your book with it. Well, thank you. I It, it always makes me think of, I have these moments pretty regularly where you th- wad up your potato chip bag and throw it at the trash can and you miss and you're, but you're on your way somewhere or whatever, and you and you do that thing where you stop and you're like, well, no one saw me miss. Mm. God, and for me, I nine times out of ten, uh, I, I I'm like, God damn it! I like no, I, the, I understand. That voice in my yeah. head. I'm gonna now be make myself late. Well, also, yeah, and it's not just Catholicism, but uh, you were. I didn't for a long time when I knew you. I didn't realize you were raised Catholic, as was I. But yeah, hell yeah. we were raised with the idea that hell yes, there's always someone watching. <laughs> That's uh, true. But um, so sometimes it's hard for me to know: Am I really being a good guy because I walked back there and I threw the potato chip bag properly in the trash? Or did I just do that because I want to think of myself as a good person and I know that somewhere somebody might have seen, I don't know, it gets very complicated. But either way, put the fucking potato chip bag back in the trash when it doesn't make it in. Sure. I mean, and there's always that 10th time when like, that's, and that's the thing to like, when I do uh, succeed in in being ethical nine times out of 10, and and that might be a generous. uh, Very generous for you. Let's say seven out of 10 times. Yeah. Even then it's not. It's not like I'm like, okay, now I'm good. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, phew. I made it through that moment. This one time I did right. the right thing. Now to go steal some cocaine. Now what's next? Yeah. Distribute it <laughs> at an elementary school. Let me take the mir- <laughs> let me take the mirrors off this Corvette. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for making uh, me feel better. I just, you were, I said this uh, earlier, you're a tonic. You're a bracing tonic, uh, but also um, you're, a, you're a really fine human being. So it's nice to- just get to sit here with you uh, and 
sort of soak up some of that Offerman goodness. So thank you. Well, I, I appreciate it. And I, I'm a huge fan of, of your podcast and Sona and even Gorley, as long as he's not doing Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I understand that. Yeah. It's really, when he does the Sean Connery, it's, yeah. That's, uh, it sounds like one of the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, the Sean Connery Muppet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you have to do it, Gorley, as a way out. Yeah. Oh, God. I've known for you this thing to. that I don't even really do. Yeah, um, I know. It's time to get things started. It's time <laughs> oh to get things right That's... on the Muppet Show tonight. That's Sean Connery <laughs> dying in a uh, field. Think moments before his death. <laughs> <laughs> Getting very little air. <laughs> I'm convalescing in a castle in Scotland. <laughs> oh my God, he must be passing because he doesn't really sound anything like himself in his prime. Zardoz. <laughs> don't, don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. All right. Well, God bless you, Mr. Offerman. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and and uh, kick kick into the the white stripes. Yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's incredible. Can you feel it? Uh, let me just explain. Yeah, that um, for the first time since the pandemic began, uh, we're all in the same room. That's because Matt Gorley has joined us in person. Yeah. You've been uh, at your Beautiful residence in uh, Pasadena, Thank you. Um, and I mean, just gorgeous as from the background, unless it's a fake background. It is okay, but you haven't been here, no. But now I feel like the gang's back together. Yeah, we got the gang back together. It feels good. It feels complete. It does. And I felt a little alone and vulnerable without you here. Yeah. So it feels really nice to have you here, as you know, because I think the two of us. Are stronger together. I agree. I liked you being gone. Yeah. Oh, See, no, no, that's, and yeah. I, that's yeah. not because I dislike you or anything, but because when Sona's here by herself, <laughs> I can just uh, go after her, and you always go come right to her aid, yes, yes. To, her, to her assistance. Yeah. But there's that little lag on Zoom, and if oh. I'm going after her, you know, and sometimes yeah. I can just turn your volume down a bit, yeah, because um, you know how to do that. Uh. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Come what on. What are you talking about? You, you, Control you, Alt you, 7. You do yeah. the levels? Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I know, I'm very technically savvy. Oh. Mm. Yeah. You just go into a different uh, digital modem and and then take uh, it down a generation. Uh, uh, <laughs> a generation. I think you did do that somehow. But you do that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Um, oh, my God. I. Uh, it's nice to have you back. And it is it is good to see you, Matt Gorley. You know, we joke and we josh sure. and there's a lot of, yeah. um, you know- Little snappy snipes going back and forth, mm -hmm. but uh, you know that you're an admired member of the team. Um, you have you have such a hard time being I know, sincere. I know it is like I see smoke coming out of your. You are a pen in half. You're a you're a human uh, who breathes. And you exist. The most basic. Uh, Why are you wetting your pants right now? You have certain. Inalienable rights guaranteed to you through the Constitution, and uh, and then so it, therefore you mean a lot to Let me the person who is me. Cut you off and say this is how you do it. I am really glad to be back. In fact, I knew I'd be excited to be back, but until I got in this room, that's when I really felt like this feels good. I missed you guys. Yeah. Full stop. See, that's that's a that's how normal people act, and I, and I too am so happy to see you. Then, and I'm just, I feel like everything is complete yeah. and we're good. 
And that's, this is a nice moment, Conan. If I could just venture to say <laughs> that you are a, a property owner, <laughs> you're a taxpaying citizen, um, you have, I'm told you have your merits. How did you get my census data? <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you're, you reside on 1.3 acres of land that uh, rests on a, a shelf of what's predominantly shale. There's shale and then there's some limestone as well. Uh, Basically, limestone runs, runs through the whole area. Uh, I'm not happy to be back. This um, is the best you're going to get. Yeah. You're yeah. four miles from a fault line. You might want to look into that. So anyway, yeah. uh, good to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> it takes so much work. I want to have a Christmas card, made, I mean, a greeting card made that says all those things. And then uh, they clearly just sent it to you. Just have it made. Just one that just goes on and on and on. This is how much water you displace when put into a tank. It's, yeah, 35.6 liters of water. And then they just get unrelated. This is how much a gallon of milk costs right now. <laughs> The day you were born, uh, the stock exchange was up two points. Oh, my God. Um, it literally has been two years since we last were – we got together for that live show, but to do an episode was at my house two years ago. Yeah. Right, because yeah. the pandemic was just breaking out. March, late March, yeah. It was late March, and um, none of us quite knew what it meant yet, but – they had shut down the studios, but we all met in your backyard. Which is so funny. Like, well, we can't record at the studios. Let's just do the same thing in close proximity <laughs> in my house. Right. <laughs> and it right. wasn't in the backyard. It was in an enclosed space. A small too. Right. enclosed space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we pay, uh, played the uh, face licking game. That's that right. Was the, that was the yeah. comedy that day. I remember. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah. Followed by <laughs> a visit from my new character, Uncle Sneezathon. Um. But yeah, we oh, went, did that, man. and then we went someplace. We all went someplace nearby that was really cool. The for, Raymond, the Raymond, yeah. for lunch. Yeah. Was it lunch or dinner? It was lunch. Lunch. Mm -hmm. and it was raining, and you had your crocodile Dundee hat on. Yes. Yeah. I was wearing it all the time then, mm. and then uh, I was sued <laughs> by a toothless croc. Oh. <laughs> Hello. Didn't see that joke coming, <laughs> I did you? You're gonna say a toothless Paul Hogan. Uh, oh, oh, please. No, the crocodile sued him. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. whose yeah. teeth he was wearing on his hat. I see. Yeah. That yeah. was the that was the joke. Yeah. Well, this is you've made it so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Cut to I'm wearing the hat, cut to me in court, and uh testifying is a is a crocodile <laughs> with gums and he's pointing at me. That's a New Yorker cartoon right yeah. there. Anyone want to draw it up? Yeah. I'll yeah. split the money with you 50-50. That's yeah. comedy gold. That is called comedy gold right from the mind. Yeah. Right. So um, it is good to have you back. And I think this is a sign that we are hitting on all cylinders mm. now. Feels like it. Why are you getting all- Sexy? Jazz. Yeah. Sexy. Welcome to <laughs> what? You don't find this sexy? This is not a jazz uh, channel. A no. late night jazz channel. Oh, it could be though. This is awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it, if you're going to be, why are you doing this now? You didn't do this when you were mm. virtual. Wow. Welcome to Conan and the Chill Chums. That's your sexy voice? That's my sexy jazz voice. <laughs> okay. That's also your emphysema voice. <laughs> That's your, it's my <laughs> lungs are collapsing <laughs> because I smoked <laughs> for 40 years voice. Could, could you uh, hand me that respirator and take off your clothes? <laughs> People always think you're trying to come on to them, but really, you, 
You're just trying to get <laughs> help a hit of oxygen. Well, anyway, no, I think back we're gonna, home for me. We are, uh, <laughs> no, it's good. We're here. We're stronger than ever. And I think now that we've been united, it's like those, uh, you're going to know the name, Matt, those special stones that go into the glove. Oh, the Shankrist? Oh, no, the Infinity Stones. I thought yes. you meant, I, I only barely know those. I thought you meant the three stones from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom that light up when they come together. Let's go with that. No, oh. I was trying to go with something that the kids would care about. <sighs> come on. No, that. How about the grandparents? The Let's glove. What's it called? The glove? The Infinity Infinity Gauntlet? No, the gauntlet. Is it the Infinity it's Gauntlet? Blay is nodding, and if anybody would know, it's Blay. Yeah, Infinity Blay is gauntlet. nodding so hard yeah. that his uh, throat just ripped open. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing two Infinity Gauntlets right now. Yeah, it's, he's he, he's rubbing his chest wearing two Infinity Gauntlets. That's that's a Friday night with Blay. <laughs> Sorry, Blay, but you know you're a big fan. Um, yeah, incredible, yeah. incredible. That's that's, nice. that's what it's like. Yeah. Whatever that glove was in that Marvel movie that I didn't see, mm-hmm. this. This is us. We're we've now been assembled. Yeah. This is us. We're more like the cast of This Is Us, I think. Oh. That, that's what you just said. This is us. Oh, I haven't seen that either. I haven't either. I used to watch that. You did? You used to? We are not like the cast of This Is Us. We're not? No, not at all. What about if I talk like this? Oh, even no. further away from oh. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No. I think you should go back to Zoom. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's better It's been for lovely all of us. seeing you. Yeah, and one's getting, good. One's yeah, good. Yeah. One proof year. that you're alive. And yeah. I think you should go back. I understand. To that. what I understand is a lovely home in Pasadena. Yeah, that's just a fake background. And I'm in a kind of lean to uh, outside the house. <laughs> yeah, you smoke meats there. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been... A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.